Coming to you from somewhere along the Ohio-West Virginia border, welcome, hitchhikers, to Nostalgia Highway, the movies you know from the guys you don't. We're the No Frills bi-weekly movie review podcast, where we are heading to our last roundup as we close out the Wild West theme for the month of May. But let's not go barking at a knot any further. Let's get a move on. You guys ready? Did you barking say at bark- a knot. Yeah. Barking now, at a knot. Yeah. Now explain that to the to the viewers or to the listeners. Right. Oh, do you know what it means? I do. I do know. Really? Yeah. What about you, King? You know what I this just means? I think it means you're you're chewing up my my knot. You know. <laughs> you're trying to. You're going after my knot with your, your barker. <laughs> It means you're fiddle-fucking around. Stay away from my yes. dog, your barker. Yes, it, it means doing something useless or wasting your time. Yes. Right. But I am your host, the Mayor Matt Logston, and joining me for episode 38 out here on the highway are my co-hosts, who are definitely good for it and know exactly where the dog is. I'm Dave King of the Road. I'm good for it. I got $13, and uh, I am the Lord Ketchum. Okay, gents. And buckaroos, let's saddle up and get ready to review on episode 38, Silverado from 1985. Yeah! Goddamn. <laughs> this movie's written by Mark and Lawrence Kasdan, and also directed by Lawrence Kasdan. He's done a bunch of good shit. And I gotta say, man, this cast is, this this first lead cast is amazing. You know, for what it yeah. meant. My God. Kevin Klein is Peyton. Scott Glenn is Emmett. Kevin Costner is Jake. A young Kevin Costner. Yeah. Danny Glover as Mal. And Brian Dennehy is Cobb. And that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to casting in this movie. Right. Distributed yeah. by Columbia Pictures with a rating of PG-13 and a runtime of two hours and 13 minutes. It's a long one. Yeah. It takes about a half an hour to get, you know, the the four main guys together and grouped up. So a group of cowboys come together to set off some much deserving justice that needs a given in an old Western town called Silverado. This movie debuted in Los Angeles, California on July 8th, 1985 and released nationwide on July 10th, 1985 had a budget of somewhere between 23 and 26 million, which is, Pretty damn high, especially yeah. for 85. But they built all the sets, you know, from scratch for this movie. You know, I guess it's supposed to revitalize the Western genre, I guess, of the 80s. Because it yeah, did that. So. Dapper, it dappered down. It only grossed three and a half million on its opening weekend. Low. And, yeah, and it, and it only grossed 32 million worldwide. So this is a this is a box office failure, gents. It's a. Yeah. Yeah, not good. IMDb has this at a 7.2 out of 10. Metascore of 64. Rotten Tomatoes score of 76%. Audience score of 80%. So I don't know how that you know justifies the, the gross on the movie, to be honest. It just could have been a non-Western year, you know? Right. Yeah. There's other stuff. And people were Back just... to the future. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had well, money where it was going. And this is when, like, the big action hero movies were getting made, too. You know, Arnold was getting big, Sylvester Stallone, and, you know, these shoot em up blow em up bigger-than-life right. heroes that we now know. So, I don't know. I, d- I think it just really fell under the radar of a lot of people. 
I think the genre fans it connected with and it found its audience, but sure, the Western audience at that time was kind of small, I think. Now, if it would have released the same year as Back to the Future 3, that might have garnered an interest in going back and visiting some Westerns again, you know, and people that were more pop culture, non-Western-y people would be like, oh, yeah, I kind of like a Western. Let's check that out, you know. I don't know. Yeah, that's true, man. This movie uh, is not currently streaming anywhere, but you can rent it or buy it on Amazon Amazon Prime for $2.99, or you can own a VHS copy of it. Um, I got mine for a quarter at a Goodwill, so go check it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course you did. Of course you did. I love it. Yep. That's a that's a beautiful cover, too. That's a nice Yeah, that it is, is a nice picture. Yeah. And I got a nice side loader VHS copy. It's, I don't oh, yeah. know. I dig it. Very nice. All right, so we're going to have spoilers ahead, and uh, Wagons West, boys. Wagons West, definitely. We're yeah. not going east, that's for sure. No, that's John Candy movie. <laughs> the most important spoiler is that Roger Murtaugh kills Jason Voorhees and Brundlefly in this. Okay? Fact. Yeah. Hey, man, we didn't even get to... Oh, my God. Major spoiler. <laughs> I never even considered that. Yeah, man, that's that's a good fact. <laughs> yep. Damn. It's fun. Oh, yeah. Well, Ted White was much less uh, intimidating in this movie. <laughs> True. He was a son of a bitch. You could tell, though. Yeah. He wore an eye patch. That was pretty yeah. cool. Right. <laughs> so, as you alluded to, Lord, the uh, the set was built specifically for this movie, but it has been used in other stuff. Uh, Young Guns, White Earp, which starred Kevin Costner. Oh, yeah, it did. Yeah. Yes. La- last Man Standing. That was a Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, Christopher Walken. Yep. Yeah. So Lonesome Dove also used this set. Yeah. That show was pretty hot for a minute. And it was in Wild Wild West from 99, which also had Kevin Klein. I liked the Wild Wild West. I did, I did too. It's a bad movie. If, if you didn't, you're wrong. So just so. That soundtrack is fucking off the chain, dude. Oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> we go and do the Wild Wild West. Now I know yeah. you motherfuckers are trolling me. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. Plus, they had Salma Hayek booty, so you know. Yeah. yeah, that's the best thing about the movie, I think, honestly. Oh yeah, Wait. very, yeah. very hot. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. So, principal photography began on November 26, 1984, after four weeks of rehearsals. Principal photography ran 96 days, guys. That's a lot. Uh, it's over three months devoted. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, it is a 15-minute uh, movie, basically. Right. It was scheduled to shoot for only 66 days, um, wow. set in Santa Fe. So they went way over budget. But like I said, yeah, but I I think I, I would attribute that because of, you know, wrangling horses and cattle like that and for those kind of shots would probably be, be really impossible to shoot, I'm sure. You know, yeah. that – it would remind me of working with children, <laughs> as yeah. So that would be kind of that that kind of chaos. Isn't that that like some people, some actors and actresses' rules are like never work with kids, never work with animals. Isn't that like their thing, some yeah. things. But yeah. I'll tell you, one shot that I thought was absolutely fantastic was the, the during the stampede. Yeah, was, yeah. It, that was nice. That was really well done. I like that shot a lot. Had a lot of appreciation for that. 
Yeah, that was before digital effects, kiddos. <laughs> so in an interview, Scott Glenn mentioned how much he really liked working with Kevin Costner and how easy and comfortable he was to be around. And uh, he said that there was a real magic going on with his performance as Jake. And uh, Glenn spent his time kidding around with Costner, addressing him by saying, hey, movie star. <laughs> and at this time, he really wasn't that big at that time. And uh, the only reason why, for the most part, he got the role of Jake in this from uh, Lawrence Kasdan was because his role in The Big Chill from 83 pretty much was left on the uh, cutting room floor. I didn't even know he was in The Big Chill. Well, obviously. Uh, obviously he, <laughs> he wasn't. Well, God What's that damn, about? Cool. What's that movie it's about? A, it's about um, a group of, fr- of college friends. Um, that are, you know, beyond their, they're like in their forties now they've got, you know, they've, they're on their different stages of their life and everything. And, um, one of their friends from college passed away and they're there. They all get together for a weekend, um, to go to the funeral and whatnot. And, you know, just old, old emotions clash and it's that kind of movie. It's, it, but it's really good. It's got Jeff Goldblum, Kevin Klein is in it. Uh, oh, wow. Glenn, Glenn Close is in it. Um, Joe Beth Williams is in it. Oh, William Hurt is in it. Um, it's it's got a what, lot man. of people. Uh, that's something I want to look into because that sounds like about my speed of movie. To be honest. Yeah, it, and it's got an awesome. Is it that slow? Track. Huh? That's slow. That said, it's his speed of movie. I said, is it that slow? Your dick. Snail's hmm. pace. No. Um, right. the, uh, the soundtrack is phenomenal guys it, it you should check it out definitely watch the big chill i have it on vhs i got it for a quarter at goodwill of course you did <laughs> you get everything for a quarter at goodwill. <laughs> well when the goodwill opens back up you might get something new for a quarter there maybe maybe i'll maybe i'll find it for a few dollars more for a quarter that'd be sweet yeah and then try and turn around and sell it to me for fifty dollars never no. <laughs> no, I'll trade no. you. Because he's like, you. I'm not even gonna sell it to you. I'm keeping. No, I'll, I'll trade it to you uh, for that Star Wars record that you got, the Christmas album. A, I'll trade yeah. it to you. No. All right. We'll if I find it, it we'll, well, if you find it, we'll we'll do swapsies. So this is the theatrical feature film debut of future two-time Oscar nominee Richard Jenkins, who plays Kelly, and he had about fucking maybe. Three line? three lines, three lines, I think, and that's it. For uh, old Cobb, played by Brian Dennehy, blasts his ass to, to the never world. Also, had Jeff Fahey as Tyree. Um, right. This is his uh, first role ever, dude. I think he killed this role, to be honest, for what he was given. Yeah, you know, he, he was got good. The, Jeff Fahey has those eyes, you know, that just pierce when they're on screen, and. I don't know. I, I like he's been in a couple cowboy different movies. I think he was in Wide Earp as well. Um I liked him in this one more than uh Wide Earp. He played Ike Clanton in that one. He kind of reminds me almost, you know, uh the character and just the way he looks, because he just kind of looks crazy of Klaus Kinski with uh Juan Wilde. Uh, that's for a, a few dollars more. Yeah. Maybe he got drew some inspiration. From that. He's got the look. I mean, he's got the look. He's got the look already, you know. So right, yeah. And and it's, I could say some of his mannerisms, you know, were mimicked as well. Possibly. So yeah, that's cool. But yeah, 
But well, talking about Tyree, uh, the Tyree character played by Jeff Fahey, who is Job from uh, the Lawnmower Man. Do you guys realize how the much of a crazy amount of horror movie connections there are in this movie? I'm sure it's phenomenal mm. because you know just the sheer amount of people that's in it. Well, just here's the couple. Okay, you get pre Seth Brundle from The Fly with Jeff Goldblum, right. Danny Glover, who is Detective Tap and Saul. He squared off against Jigsaw. Uh, fresh off of Friday the 13th, final chapter is Jason, Jason Voorhees is Ted White, who played Hoyt, the uh, eye-patched henchman from McKendrick. Uh, yep. Freddy Krueger's first on-screen victim, Tina, who was Amanda Weiss, who played Phoebe the prostitute that Kevin Costner liked a lot, and so did Tyree. <laughs> Lynn Whitfield, she played Ray. She was Mario the People's wife in Jaws the Revenge. Uh, Brian James, who was Hobart. He's been in countless stuff, but he was uh, uh, Meat Cleaver Max, Janky, in the horror show, which is also known as House 3. So anyway, John Cleese, he comes in with the uh, line, what's all this then? It's actually a Monty Python in-joke that that line was used uh, by a policeman that entered a scene like on a crime on Monty Python Flying Circus. and. I never watched that really too much. Well, you suck. Yeah, the, the flying circus is good stuff, man. He did the the silly walks, you know. I know. Well, anything I've seen of it is because of you. Okay, well that's and and obviously <laughs> I didn't interest you enough to check anything else out. But I mean, if if I'm glad they went the subtle approach with it, you know, instead of doing the silly walk. Yeah, <laughs> no, that would have been classic. I would have loved if he'd come out silly walking. It, it would have been too much. Too much. What's all this then? <laughs> <laughs> pull, pull back, pull back, John, a little bit. <laughs> he, probably, he probably did do that, and that was an outtake. I'd love to see that. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. After right. working with uh, Klein on this film, Cleese wrote uh, A Fish Called Wanda in 88 with the role of Otto specifically written for Klein, which he won the Best Supporting Actor for in that yeah. role. Cool. Check that, check that movie out, too. It's called Wonder? Wonder. Yeah. I've never seen Wonder. it. I've heard a lot about it. Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. Kevin Klein. Man, it's a good movie. Check it out. Yeah. It's not bad. But there was actually a planned sequel for this, and I guess that was you know reflected in the film's final line, but obviously never came to fruition because, like you said, Lord, it was a box office failure. And that surprises me, to be honest. I when I first watched it, I never thought that this movie was was going to be planning for a sequel. I didn't pick up on that. I thought you know everybody lived and it was a happy ending for everybody. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean everybody lived. That's why it's set up for a sequel. I mean, I don't think it's like in your face, like you know, like the way Back to the Future ended with a to be continued or anything. Right. Right. But yeah, I mean. Just knowing what we know about movies, and I mean, know, I if, guess if it made money. It, there would have been a sequel to this. I guess, but I mean, you know, uh, Jake and Emmett—they go to California in the end. Fucking Danny Glover or Mal, Mal's character—he he lifts, he left with his sister. I don't understand how there could have been a sequel. To be honest, oh, they would have figured it out. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't though. Some people would have got killed off early in the movie. Probably. <laughs> and we would have went a different route. Yeah, maybe. That checks out. We we would have done a little pick two, kick two with the main yeah. on this one. <laughs> yeah, because they couldn't afford that cast again, I guarantee. Right. 
Exactly. This was nominated for two Academy Awards, actually. One for Best Sound and the other for Best Original Score. But it, uh, like, like it was in the box office, it was, it was a fucking loser at the Academies as well. So, well, Best Sound, it's up against Back to the Future, right? So I'm sure Back to the Future won Best Sound, right? I, yeah, it, yeah, it, it wasn't, not. yeah, Best Score is Best Sound, yeah. No, no, it, it, yeah, no, but even Back to the Future didn't win that year, so. That's what no, I'm saying. Actually, Out of Africa ended up winning both of those categories that uh, Silverado was uh, nominated for. Yeah. That's weak. Never seen it. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> but still, it's the wrong choice. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little thing here uh, I wanted to drop here on you guys. So Earl Hyman, who is JT in this, uh, he's most famous for being uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor's most wise neighbor, Wilson, on Home Improvement. And uh, if you guys remember, the running gag on the show during its eight seasons was you never saw the lower half of his face in uh, any of the mm-hmm. 204 mm-hmm. episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I do that. I actually do that in my almost every day-to-day life. I'll do it if I'm tired of hearing the conversation. <laughs> Yeah, you get it. You get it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was uh, the show ran for 204 episodes. Uh, Hindman was in 203 of them. And uh, I thought it was interesting because in the uh, scene where they're in the house and it's on fire, he's gagged and his lower half of his face is kind of obscured. So I don't know. And I think in a maybe a kind of a stretch, kind of weird way, maybe he was foreshadowing his uh, career. <laughs> And I'll be honest, that's when I first realized it was Wilson. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> is that Wilson? I, to be honest, I never, I never made a comparison. So, well, I didn't recognize him with his full face exposed. But yeah, once he had that mask on. So, like I said prior, this has definitely one of the most impressive cast lists I've ever seen in a Western movie. Uh, it's filled with tons of 80 stars. Do you guys think that uh, it could be a bad thing having too many stars, though, in a movie? Because if there was going to be one, this is the prime example of it. Because um, there's so there? much – they're having to share screen time. I mean, <sighs> I kind of feel like these – they're kind of similar as far as, like, the amount of notable people in this. I think this has a little bit more, to be honest. Um but I, I, if I were to vote, if I were to rank Tombstone to this, I I would say Tombstone, obviously. But uh, I I don't know. I think that they spread it a little thin here in this movie. Okay, I I see what you're saying, and I and I I can't disagree with you because I do feel like there are certain characters that their arc is a little glazed over. I think. Sure, you got a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, and everybody needs to get their shit in, have their screen time. So. Right. I did find it really cool, you know, that they, they. I mean, even my God, um, what's his name from Major League? Um, damn it, I'm drawing a blank here now. Oh, James Gammon. James Gammon. Yeah. Okay. So you know, he's he's even in this movie, and it's yeah, weird. One whenever, of the most recognizable voices. Right. Whenever I watch this movie, it. That's who I see. It's 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 I I think a major league. I don't know. Yeah. But there's there's a lot of different people in this movie that just uh, like Linda Hunt. You know, I remember her from Kindergarten Cop. 
Oh yes, yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. yeah, so <laughs> yeah, that's what I remember her best from. Sure, been in a, yeah. she was a principal. Yeah, yep. yeah. Who do you prefer, Zelda Rubenstein or Linda Hunt? <laughs> I mean, if I'm looking for a horror movie, I'm going to go Zelda Rubenstein, but. I think Linda, Linda Hunt, Hunt could do a good uh, horror movie. I really do. She man. she could. I don't think. Yeah. I don't know that she has, but I, she's very good in this. She's very good in this movie. She I don't reminds know. me of uh, Rhea Perlman, Danny DeVito's wife. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mix them up. I don't know why. From Cheers. Yep. That's yep. Funny. <laughs> oh. Before we go any further, we're talking about how great the cast is. Kevin Klein is your leading man here, and I honestly, I could, I could make the argument that his um, casting in this part is my biggest issue with the movie. Now, did he really do anything wrong as far as acting or portrayal? Not really, I don't think. But could this have been a whole different elevation of the story had the role of Payton been played by Kurt Russell, Sam Elliott? Even you know, Kevin, even Kevin Costner as as that character, you know, a serious role. But I don't, I don't know. know. I I really like Costner Kevin could. Costner's at his, yeah. his role in this movie. He really nailed that kind of like childlike aspect. You know, he's definitely yeah. immature. He's well, like you know, he's like nineteen or twenty years old or something like that. I don't think he could at this time could have played that role. What I can put uh, Costner to is is uh, Billy the Kid from the fucking Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He's that. Uh, he's like wild, <laughs> and cocky, careless, and yeah. But I like him. It's it's the character doesn't need much depth, and that's okay. Right. So, well, they even they even call him the kid and shit in the right. in the movie. So I'll be honest with you. For me, seeing him play like the the reckless one was kind of a trip for me because I think this is the first movie I've ever seen him because he's usually the one that's very calm and calculated and low key. And I don't know, for me at least that, that kind of took me a little getting used to cause like, cause I, I didn't know if maybe he was just goofing around just to, I don't know, but I'm like, Oh no, he's just hyper as fuck in this. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you're right. but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good take. But as far as Kevin Klein, I mean, I don't know. It's just for me. I, I just felt like he was. Yeah, he had the rugged beard. He, you know, his facial expressions. And his proper were beard. Good. It's just I felt like he was just a maybe a weak uh, casting. I don't know. Just. I hear my, what you're saying, critique. King. I mean, I'm not going to say he was miscast. Kind of like what you're saying. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, Kevin Klein's great. He's good. He's very good in this. I yeah. mean, to be honest with you, there's not too many things I've seen him in that I didn't like him, you know. Um, but he is he... kind of a tough sell for me as a cowboy, I'll be honest. And he kind of looks like Robin Williams a little bit with the beard, yeah. just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the kind of what you were talking about, King, uh, I think this would have been a nice role for Jeff Bridges or Dennis Quaid. Ooh, yeah, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I see Jeff Bridges as well. Okay. I don't know if the name Peyton is right either. Like, I feel like that's a weak name. Like, for a cowboy. it just makes me think of Peyton City. Uh, okay. Nah, I, I, I like to think Peyton. But it's a I cool like name. I mean, it, it yeah. definitely sounds like a cowboy name. Does it? Okay. I don't know. That's just a thought I had. 
No, no, that's that's totally understandable. Um, to be honest, I I have a like a, not an issue, I guess, um, but I could definitely see the role being cast. They didn't hit a home run when it comes to Kevin Klein being scored as the uh, lead in the movie. Well, he was pretty um, I young at this time. You too. say right. You said Sam Elliott. That's a good fucking choice, Dave. That's a really good one, actually. I can I see him doing that. I could put Clint Eastwood in this role and be happy too, but that's well, that's that's any Western though, you know. Sure. So I, I like the I, I like the Sam Elliott actually. Kurt Russell. I mean, I yeah. I mean, who right. doesn't like that? Who doesn't like that? I mean, to me, that's just like, well, yeah. yeah. That's like the universal sure. tool. It fits everything, <laughs> you know, sure. and it'd be he's great. Swiss, he's a Swiss Army actor. Absolutely. So, so how do you feel about like Scott Glenn and Danny Glover? Getting, I, I like their roles. I think Scott Glenn was cast perfectly, actually. I disagree. I honestly felt like, for the most part, I think you could have cast almost anybody in Scott Glenn's role, Same. to be totally honest. Now, I don't I know. He, say, he's he just got that bad. He was good. He looks like a cowboy. I'll tell you yeah. that right now. He has the look. When he's like doing the target practice and he's doing the quick draw, like, dude, he just looks like a freaking cowboy. He Absolutely. looks more like a he looks more like a cowboy than an actor playing a cowboy could. Honestly. Absolutely. So yes, I'll give you I that. I agree with you on that. But as far as the performance, I think you could have got almost anybody to do that role. No discredit to him; it's fine. But um, who was the other one you brought up there, well, Lord Danny Glover? Danny. Oh, I thought Danny Glover was great. I loved him in this. Yeah, I did too. Okay. Danny Glover. I, ever since I saw him in Lethal Weapon. I, I I don't know. He's just one of those actors that I like. He's one of those I feel like once you see him on screen, you know he's not going to fuck up this role, no matter what it is. He's that exactly. Yeah. All right. So while I was watching this movie for my rewatch, Dave, I've been watching you drink a lot lately. Well, here we go. <laughs> this coronavirus. Hey, well, let's really talk what, like that. But... What the fuck else better do I have to do? <laughs> Get your and so I want you to get a shot ready, all right. And I want you to take the shot, and I want to see your face while you take it. So go ahead, and, yeah, go ahead and do that. Yeah, get you see that. Get you a snort. Uh that's a good. See now, you just gave the exact same face that Mal did while he's taking his shot of whiskey in this movie. So that leads me, to, you know, to a you know good question: Who do you think enjoys their whiskey more? Mal, Dave Kane of the Road, or motherfucking McCready from The Thing? <laughs> oh, dude, this is a great question. I love this sure question. Sure it is, yeah. Is this a pick, uh, pick two, kick one, or something? This is a pick one, kick two. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> I hear you. I mean, I... I can't really vote on my... <laughs> I don't know, you just... I, I, when Mal was taking his sip of whiskey, when he's drinking his shot of whiskey, man, um, he's had a lot of enjoyment on it. Oh, yeah. And I he do not have that effect. I do not have that <laughs> that same effect from drinking straight whiskey. So it's rough. <laughs> when I seen him take that shot of whiskey, I thought, man, is it – what time is it? 12.45. Is that too early to start drinking? Because, you know, I felt inspired. So, yeah, I, I'm sure I went straight to the freezer. <laughs> See if I still had a little bit of chilled whiskey in there. Nice. 
My God, Dave. Uh, oh, all right. I, I can't <laughs> go against my man, Dave King of the Road, man. I can't. Oh, man, I appreciate that. I'm not sure that that's a good thing, but. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, so I, I totally saw comparisons. I was like, man, Dave King of the Road really enjoys his whiskey just as much as Mel. So. Dave King of the Road endorses drinking responsibly to all your listeners. Oh, yeah. I assure you I'm a responsible highway passenger. Yeah. Not don't, a driver. Don't ride a horse drunk. Ever. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, guys. So in this movie, Kevin Costner's in jail um, in the beginning of it. Well, when he's first introduced. And um, Scott Glenn, who plays his brother, Emmett, has to bust him out of jail. Because they are going to go visit their sister, and and you know he's he's pretty much been on a destined path to hang, and right. um, but you get a really good jailbreak scene in this movie. Um, yes, it's with, good, and it's cool how Kevin Klein was like, "Well, I'm not going to be a part of this shit," mm-hmm. and then he goes into a bar and immediately gets in shit and gets thrown in jail <laughs> with yeah, uh, right. Jake. So. Yes. At that point, you know, you gotta be like, it's all good because Emmett already told him that he was gonna be busting his brother out of jail and everything. So it's all good, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> this guy busts me out too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he fully participates, but it is very. He took his hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's very uh, slapstick. Kind of, you know, how, how this happened, you know, the jailbreak scene. I don't know. I, I just appreciate it. <laughs> it was a little Laurel and Hardy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when I first watched this movie, I thought that shit was hilarious. I was like, oh, my God, that's so funny. I, it, And the first time I watched it when I was a kid, I was like, why is he walking so funny? Kevin Costner's right behind him and everything. I don't know. It's just, it, 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 it's just, it's just really funny. Yeah, it is good. It's well done. <laughs> Going back to John Cleese real quick, I want to talk about the scene where he's playing chess more or less by himself. You know, sure. He makes his move and then he flips it around and then he's getting ready to take his turn and then he gets called away to handle some business. I kind of wish we would have came back to John Cleese's character because I found him fascinating and I found him fascinating because of this scene, because he definitely struck me as the type that would play both sides of the law to benefit himself. And I kind of felt like if they would have added him back in, that would have been a nice little Easter egg type thing to show that, yeah, he plays it both ways. I don't know. But I like that scene. I thought it was good, and I wish we'd got more John Cleese. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, they were only in that, in that town for a very short time, so that's why you don't get any more of them. But right. uh, I don't know. I appreciate his role in this movie. I mean, it, it was oh, yeah. funny. Yes. It was. He had a couple of good one-liners. Yeah, it was, funny. it was funny, but it wasn't flying circus funny. So, I mean, yeah. No. It was proper. It fit the mood of the movie. Yeah. The way I kind of see saw that um, that scene, you know, he he played a pretty smart person. Yes. You know, and oh, the guy there was a guy sitting with him while he's playing chess. 
so you kind of figure, oh, he's playing him, but he's not. So I'm wondering if he was either teaching that guy how to play, you know, and he was just rotating it and, you know, because he was sitting there watching. Maybe it's a, uh, I don't know, something that Brits are smarter than Americans, you know, or something like that. Sure. I don't know. I, that's how I kind of saw it, you know. Okay. Brits no, I thought that was it. Americans and I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting scene that if it was. they were going to reintroduce John Cleese, you know, maybe in the sequel that we never got. I don't know. Maybe they had something planned. Who knows? Yeah, because he's probably a lower on the totem pole cast member that they could have kept in that uh, pick two, kick two situation. Hell of a, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think they could have kept Kevin Klein too because, you know, I doubt he was making that much money. I don't know. They might have cut him a pretty good check. Yeah. Yeah. He's the lead, dude. All right. Yeah, well. What about uh, Roseanne Arquette in this? Do you guys think she was a throwaway character? Because I, I kind of do. Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I mean, she's I, kind of the pity fuck. It gets kind I, of confusing, though, in the middle of it, because you got Kevin Klein who was really all about her and, you know, Yes. This, I, a funny ass line from Kevin Costner. You know, he's like, "Damn, Peyton, the 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 husband isn't even de- cold yet." You're uh, yes. <laughs> no, That's but great. but you know, then all of a sudden she's got an interest in Emmett Scott Glenn's character. Yeah, you know, yeah. so I I don't know. It was kind of confusing. Yeah, I thought so. So that probably could have been cut out completely. Well, I understood that there was a fair amount of her scenes that were ended up. They got cut out, and I think That's maybe this why is... jumble aspect it happens, you know, yes. because a pivotal scene where right. she was like, "Well, I like Scott Glenn's character," you know, they cut that part and caused fucking conundrum. Yeah, I'd say that since they pretty much more or less just gutted her character in the movie, that's probably why it's uneven why? and a little bit confusing. Because I'm exactly with you. Also, it's kind of like. So she just interested in all of them, or what's going on here? <laughs> you know. But you know, you also get Linda Hunt. Uh, I think she stole like every scene she was in. Kind of. She yeah. was very good. She was very good in this. She's cute, yes. cool, and you know, you like her and want you know everything to work out for her. So yeah, you want what... to hang out with her. Oh yeah, I'd drink a whiskey with her. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Fine, only the finest though, you know. There you go. Right. Yeah, the good stuff. The good stuff. Yeah. I don't. I don't think. I think Brian Dennehy's Cobb overplayed that card a little bit. I don't think that uh, using her as a kind of a, a motivational tool against Peyton to to you know kind of turn a blind eye to things. I don't think that was the right tool to use. To be honest, it was good he enough. It worked. He didn't really have that kind of like commitment to her, though. He just met her, you know. But I don't know the the character arc that you're that's implied with Payton is that he's out for himself, but he's he's got a heart of gold. You know what I mean? And you could really tell in their uh, first conversation between the two that they they immediately just connected with each other. You know, right? And I. No, I I think it works the way okay. it was presented. Right on. Okay. 
Also, do you think that uh, little step-up gimmick she's got on the back of the bar is wide <laughs> enough, or should she request a bigger, you know, step-up? Because it's well, pretty you shallow. You can't make it too wide, because if there are other people yeah, who are yeah, yeah. going to be working that night, that shit's going to be in the way. You're right. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> So this is one scene that's kind of irritating to me, and it's the going back to the scene where the uh, house is on fire. Um, why didn't McKendrick's men bind Emmett's and Jake's family when they kidnapped Jake and the boy from their sister's place? They had him gagged, but their hands were free. I mean, I guess, I mean, to serve the story, I don't know, but I mean, you, you, you see all the time where he people's hands are bound, and you could see like, oh, they're hit you know where they can't see they're trying to get away and get free and stuff i don't know it just seemed to be honest i never noticed that their fans are free Uh, i I immediately picked up on it huh right on okay yeah i didn't notice it um well shit (laughs) that that's a big fucking error maybe they were uh getting to it i don't know it's I don't know. I think it's kind of minor, but it was just one of those things that just kind of stood out to me. I was like, I mean, immediately, I was like, their hands aren't even bound. What are they? But <laughs> so Brian Dennehy's Cobb in this movie. Uh, what do you guys What do you guys think of him, man? I mean, he's good. There is a particular shot of him when the deputies set fire to Emmett and Jake's sister's house. And he's walking away from the fire. Brian Dennehy is. And it's fucking totally badass, I thought. I, that, yeah. that, it's, they're, at that point, you know, you are looking at the devil of the movie. You know? Right. Um, I don't know. What did you guys think of it? That's a cool shot, and I think Dennehy is our is the uh, the main bad guy in this. He he was good. He was low key, you know. He had that charm, that swagger, you know, that uh, boisterous, you know, kind of the loudest guy in the room, and everybody just kind of listens. Um, he definitely he, pushed people around. You know? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> he was a bully. No, he was good. He was really good here. This was a good choice. I like I like this selection to play Cobb. No, but I, I liked it though because uh, Payton, you know, they were old. They they traveled together, you know. Right, the they past. ran. Yeah. So you, you kind of think that he's going to be a good guy, you know, in the beginning at least, you know, and yeah, he bails uh, him out. So, yeah, yeah. It's what do you think? What do you got, Kane? We got on the old Cobb. Yeah, Cobb, dude. Uh, honestly, Brian Dennehy and anything I've ever seen him in, I felt like immediately. This guy could turn heel at the drop of a dime. He's just a bad guy in waiting in any role I've ever seen him in. I think Cocoon is my first impression. And in Cocoon, I didn't know, you know, literally where he was coming from because obviously they were aliens and that. But I mean, I I expected him to fuck this shit up, you know, at some point. And he was actually cool in that. But in this one, I I knew he was going to turn heel on us. (laughs) I just had the feeling. Right, dude. He's played a villain in many numerous roles in the past, dude. He was fucking um, John Wayne Gacy in a movie once. Well, everyone's been John Wayne Gacy. (laughs) Yep he he played John Wayne Gacy in a movie. He dressed up as a clown and everything, dude. So Peyton talks a lot about luck throughout the movie. 
So I want to, what's, what's your guys take on luck, you know, of any variety, good, bad, indifferent. Uh, do you buy into that line of thought? And if you do, do you guys have like a good luck charm or something that you do for good luck? Well, um, in certain aspects, I believe in luck. Um, poker, I believe in luck. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> fantasy football, I believe in luck as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you're not um, wrong there. And I've gotten lucky a few times and unlucky a few times. Uh, sure. But I, I truly, I think you make your own luck in the long run. You know, it's a good way to blame your, your, um, your, whatever happens to you. Good oh, fortune. it's just bad luck. It's bad luck. You know, oh. it's bad luck. <laughs> okay. What about you, King? Yeah, I mean, I've had good luck. I've had bad luck. It, yeah, it, I consider it a attribute. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Karma. It plays into karma. Sure. I got you. Yeah. I'm For with me. you guys. I mean, especially with you, Lord. I mean, I, I think you kind of create your own luck. I mean, obviously, there's that. I kind of feel like dumb luck is a thing too. Sure. That just sure. happens. Um, but yeah, you create your own luck. But uh, do you guys have any uh, like good luck charms, like a rabbit's foot or a little a rock or something? Do you have anything I like a, that? I, I got a trinket from uh, Salem, Massachusetts. My buddy, the mayor Matt Luxon. Oh. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. A little silver, a little silver shamrock. Yeah, Hell yeah. I still have my, I keep mine in the car. Yep. It's a good place I, for. I it. have a uh, I have a necklace that my sister made. It's um. It's something she made in high school and her in her art class. It's uh, made out of clay and stuff and it's, um um it's glazed over and everything. But it says Lord Ketchum on it. And really um, it's pretty badass. And I it's like my gaming um necklace. I don't know. That's cool. I like wearing it during D and D. That's cool. <laughs> well I actually I actually had before I before you go, Matt, I actually had a little paper guitar pick that my daughter Caitlin made for me with a Superman symbol drawn on it that I kept in my wallet for the longest time. I mean, probably five years or more until it just completely disintegrated <laughs> from being, you know, rubbed behind my credit card and driver's yeah. license slot for so long. You got to unfold it and it's fucking yeah. just, just like apart. <laughs> yeah. I think it ran through the washer a couple of times too. That happens. <laughs> That's cool. Well, in addition to the little silver shamrock doodad that came from Salem, Massachusetts, actually, was, that was Plymouth. That was Plymouth, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, same ball. Uh, yes. <laughs> I uh, whenever I officiate, I keep in one of my pockets. I carry a Buckeye nut. Oh, really? Of course you do. <laughs> yes. Do it in every game. Yep. Yep. Even youth. Yep. Every game. Really? What, what part of every game don't you understand here? Well, no. I mean, I, I appreciate a lot of games with you, and I've never yeah. noticed that. Yeah, it's well, subtle. I don't, like, advertise it like, hey, here's my well, hey, lucky Buckeye going into my pocket. My... I'm not going to lie to you, Matt. I noticed a little bulge, but I didn't know that's what it was. <laughs> what a well, little play. Buckeye. <laughs> nice. I can't even be mad about that. <laughs> I think Jeff Goldblum was everything you'd want from him in a Western in this. He he also steals every scene he's in. I'm, he's got this I'm too smart for my own good 
typecast that has pretty much served him well in every role he's played. He's always the biggest douchebag in the room, but also the most interesting man in the room. And this role was no different. Did he surprise either of you when his motives were revealed? Um, not really. I can't get past how he looks in westerns or in western clothing. You know, I, I don't know. It. Uh, are you fucking serious? Oh my god, dude, he looks like a goofy bastard, dude. It's just bug-eyed. I mean, I don't know, man. He, this and Buckaroo Bonsai, man. My god, I just can't oh, get it out of my head, dude. Fuck, that's over it. the top. Well, that is over the top, but still, yeah. some of the outfits in this movie are over the top. It just looks like he doesn't belong. He looks like he's like, uh, if he were to be in the Western, he's like the rich man of the of the Western, and he's got the elegant clothing that doesn't fit with he's, everybody else's clothing. I don't know. He just and, he stands out so much, and it's not just like, because of his demeanor. It's you know his clothing speaks a lot to the film. I don't know. He just sticks out like a sore fucking thumb. He does, but he's also the rich man, like you mentioned. I mean, he is that guy. He is the gambler in this, yeah. Yeah. He almost could be like the assistant to the main bad guy. You know, he would be perfect which, for that. But Which he, he ends kinda, up turning he out to be in this movie. He kind of ends up being truthfully. Yeah. But I'll be honest with you, man. Look, I love Jeff Goldblum, okay? But I, I'm with you, Lord. I, I really felt like he was miscast here. I'm not saying he was miscast. I'm just saying he's, I don't know, for the genre, I don't think Jeff Goldblum belongs, dude, to be honest. I really don't believe so. Right. That's he does saying. not yeah, believe like in Westerns. Cast. Yeah, well. But if I he was going to be in one, this was a good one to be in. Sure. Because yeah. it, it works just enough, you know. Right. But right. I, I don't know. I feel like he's totally miscast here. I I. I appreciate seeing him in this, and it's an interesting take, but it doesn't work for me. I mean, he played a menacing character, you know. I mean, yeah, he's got that he's got that derringer that comes out of his sleeve and everything, right? A little muff pistol. Do you guys know why they call it muff pistols? There, here's here's my little d d d. You know, is this um, a nugget? Yeah, it's a little nugget that you fuckers don't <laughs> know. I don't know. I have a, w- w- with you saying muff, it makes me. I have an idea, but I want to hear okay. it. Well, yeah. So Derringers, you know, back in the day, they called them muff pistols as well. Uh, it's because prostitutes would wear put put them down in in their panties, and um, <laughs> and if some character would get out of line, you know, they had a, a weapon to fucking use. They whip out their stuff, pussy so. pistol. Yeah, their pussy <laughs> pistol. How did they muff? Oh, you went fucking around and my muff? Well, you get the pistol with it, too. <laughs> I'll pistol whip you with my muff. Oh, my yeah, God. God, it stinks. Oh, yeah. That muff pistol's got a wolf with it. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, so, yeah, he carries a muff pistol. <laughs> nice. Well played, Jeff Goldblum. I'll allow it. All right. So, you know, Jeff Goldblum, you know, as slick in this movie, he, he, you get the double cross in this movie, even a triple cross or two. Is this a trope? Because, you know, for a few dollars more, you know, obviously had this. Countless other Westerns has been a part, you know, use this tactic as well. Um, Do you guys think that this works? You know, the whole double cross thing in Westerns? Absolutely. Do you think it works best, at least, you know? Oh, yeah. 
Right I on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you you want to heighten the the suspense aspect of it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Who's gonna fuck you yeah. ever? Exactly. <laughs> that's why you get you. those those drawn out, shifty eyed close up oh, yeah. scenes. That's why you yeah. get them. No, I, I I think it does work best in the western uh, genre, and obviously, with that being said, I in that regard, it does work for me, but. This also works in other movies, like, you know, the crime suspense movies, you right. know. Well, I was going to say heist movies. movies. Yes, heist. exactly. Heist Big movies. Time. Yeah, Absolutely. If it's done well and it's not, like, pretentious and too overcomplicated and, you know, it, yeah, it, I, I like it. Right. Cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it works, too. I mean, but it is kind of, uh, I don't know, overplayed. But, I don't know. There's only a few westerns that don't do that, actually. Yeah. Um, Outlaw Josie Wells is one of them. (laughs) Which is a fucking great movie. You guys should check that shit out. (laughs) Oh, I've checked that shit out. I I I have not. Surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Watch that shit. It's the more in-between a spaghetti western and an American western. It's right. a good in-betweener. This really? is not a spaghetti western. This is an no. American western. Oh, no, not and at there's all. A, there's a big difference. Uh, yeah. You need to realize. Absolutely. Yeah, the, it's and tonally different. Completely. 80s westerns g- g- went away from spaghetti all, all together, yeah. you know. Yeah. <clears throat> Again, I've never seen anybody eat spaghetti in the Italian westerns either, but... Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. They're, they're mostly uh, stew. Yeah, they eat stew. Yeah. Okay. Well, they need to keep eating it because I like their I like their westerns. <laughs> yeah. I've always enjoyed the uh, the motley crew of outsiders or misfits coming together for a cause trope in movies, and this movie is a perfect example of that. True. And uh, what are some of your other personal favorite movies that use this uh, this tactic in their storyline? Oh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> First thing comes to mind. Absolutely. Oh OG. <laughs> Are you uh, Fast and the Furious, the same thing. Hey, yeah, yeah, Fast and the Furious. It's the yeah. same movie. Those are the same movie, actually. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Fast and the Furious yeah, are essentially the same movie. <laughs> essentially. So many ties. Oh, man, that's great. I don't know, man. You might uh, be on to something. Yeah. I actually got. I actually have no answer for this. I think Dave fucking. There, there's so many good ones, but yeah, yeah Rudolph. There you go, one. man. I, I don't. I don't think I can come up with a better one than that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. For me, I the the one it, it's the Goonies. Yeah, I hear you. I hear yeah, you. Okay. I, I think that's the first one that comes to mind for me in that regard. Sure. sure. Actually, actually. The the best one, to be honest, as of late, is Endgame, Avengers Endgame. Oh yeah, that's well, the fucking that takes the cake. Well, they're not I mean, misfits. Well, I mean, you're yeah. not a misfit. They're all badasses, right? Yeah, but I mean, some of them are misfits, like the Guardians of the Galaxy and shit. Yeah, if you yes. want to now, the Guardians of the it. Galaxy are misfits. Yes. So there you go. So the Guardians of the Galaxy. There That'd be go. my. There you, there go. you go. All right. There you go. All right. <laughs> you know, the finale of this movie, I guess, to me, was executed as well as could be expected, but 
I feel like there's not a lot of fear or doubt for failure in this. They they played it pretty safe, uh, as you alluded to earlier, Lord, and let our boys get out unscathed. Yeah, they pretty much just get like their own little revenge. Um, yeah, finishing to it. You know, everybody fights the person that they had the most problems with in the movie. It kind of matches. Are successful, you know. Yep. Um, now Scott Glenn got shot. Um, in the leg. Yeah, earlier. But, no, it was, it, okay, was during was that that, it was during that scene. Yeah, I know they beat the shit out of him out in the wood. You know, you the know wild. that they now that scene right there, man. That's what dude, we have getting discussed. getting lassoed from top to bottom and then stampeded on by a by a horse over and over again. Man, kill me now, dude. They that fucked would, him up. Yeah, That's dude. Rough. They fucked him up more than he. Acted like they did. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's he probably recovered one of the most quick. <laughs> yeah. That's probably one of the most brutal, I guess, um, torture scenes, I guess, you know, you would classify it as, you know, that I've seen in a Western. Shit, that's awesome. But back to the finale, did you guys think that they really – did it feel like the stakes were high enough to make this finale all it could be? No. No. They, yeah. No, you knew you knew they were going to go up there and clean house, which sucks. Had, but yeah, I don't know. But th- but to be honest, everybody really you know lost people. Danny Glover especially, he lost you know his dad, his mom, and all that shit, and bar- almost lost his sister. Right. You know, you could I, argue I guess, that he might have lost the most. Well, yeah, I would say he lost the most. Absolutely. Because the I brothers, like, they didn't lose anybody. You know, they didn't lose anybody. Right. Yeah, even JT lived. Wilson lived. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah, just barely. in rough shape. He was yeah. in rough shape. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel like Payton and Cobb's showdown was a little anticlimactic, to be honest. And uh, I, 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 I think the ending was a little too neat. Yeah. But I understand yeah. they were trying yeah. to set up for the sequel and everything. But like you guys were talking about, I mean... Nobody, with the exception of Mal, really lost anybody really close or anybody that you as a viewer gave too much of a shit about. Yeah. Right. You know? I don't know. I, I think it was a little too neat. I, I, guess, I like the gritty dirtiness to, to, to my movies. Coming yeah, from being a horror fan, you kind of want that uh, doubt in your mind when you're setting up a sequel that somebody didn't make it or you know you're you're wanting to set you're wanting a sequel set up to be more ambiguous and like what happened you know like did jr get shot (laughs) is he dead well you know jr got shot but (laughs) i mean did he die from it that kind of thing like or who shot him right yeah Yeah. or who shot him that's right yeah i fucked that part up that's okay you you get what i meant (laughs) right that's kind of what I mean with this. It leaves a little bit too much neatly tied up in a nice bow and rather than leave me to wonder. And that's probably why I felt that there wasn't going to be a sequel at all. You know, I never got that gist, actually. I, I don't know. I guess. I guess yeah. I can see why you would think that now. But I, I thought Payton and uh, Cobb had a decent duel at the end. I, I appreciated that. I didn't have any issues with that. What was your guys' favorite duel at the end, though, to be honest? That one for me. Really? Okay. See, I 
I would say Jake's, to be honest, because he came out of that saloon while the two henchmen, or Jeff Fahey's character Tyree and the other yeah. guy, I can't yeah. remember, but they were split up, and he walked yeah. behind the door, and you know, he's like, hey, buddy, and boom, you know, hey, took them both wow. out at the same time. That was badass, That's, dude. That That's was cool. I, I agree with you, Lord. I, I think that was my favorite one. That was pretty slick. It's pretty slick. It's fair. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Kevin Klein's and Brian Dennehy's um, showdown was a little anticlimactic. Um, you didn't, you didn't even see both of them. So, so when the shot happens, actually, Kevin Klein draws his pistol, and you see him shoot. You don't even see Brian Dennehy get shot or draw his pistol or anything. All of a sudden, he's shot and he's down. Yeah. So it is kind of a little anticlimactic, but like I. I, I don't know if that was the reasoning behind because they were so behind in shooting and they just need to wrap it up quickly or, That's you know, possible. they're behind in budget or that was what they had. And they were just wanting to play it safe. It's the 80s and, you know, we're not trying to piss anybody off, I guess. Good guys win, know. bad guys lose. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And Good points. To be honest, that that is the the – the basic formula for any Western in the past. Sure. Name one, you know, where the fucking good guys lose, you know, there's not right. very many, you know, so, but all in all, this is a great story, you know? Yeah, it is. Um, yep. I like to like, I like how the, the sheriff, you know, Cobb and you know, how he, he became a sheriff after being such a bad person throughout, you know, his life. Um, just for the sheer fact of he can intimidate people and he's secretly working for the rich mogul guy, you know, of the area, right. you know, I, I, it's really cool. You know, I, I, I don't know. I enjoy movies like this. So, yeah, well, guys, I mean, does that, uh, let's wrap, wrap this shit ready up. to let's, go, uh, the ratings and let's wrap it up like a blanket and throw it on a fucking horse. And ride this bitch out of here. Right in the sunset. Yeah. Yeehaw. Go ahead, Kane. All right. I I can make it simple for you guys. All right. Uh, This is definitely the feel-good popcorn American Western, as uh, the mayor has implied before popcorn movies. I I feel like it's that. (laughs) Every single trope of a Western is plugged in here. They definitely went out of their way to fit each you know high spot of a western into this movie which you know it's a tall task to effectively pull off without being too cheesy and uh you know we got all the bells bells and whistles we got the expendables of westerns almost i mean minus stallone and schwarzenegger but (laughs) which you know they wouldn't have been considered for this shit (laughs) no no I, i i mean that in a way of like a a bigger named uh, Western actor. I get you. Yeah. Eastwoods or John Wayne's or right. Sam Elliott's. Steve McQueen. But uh, this, this is a cool Western. I mean, it's it's a, it's definitely a top ten Western for me. Really? Yeah. That's yeah, I'll call it. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I liked it. I mean, okay. I've only seen I've only seen eight westerns in my life, so that's easy for me to call <laughs> it the top ten Western. Well, that's uh, default then. I'll say that you sound like me. I mean, it could be number eight, you know. So, God I mean, that's, damn, that's I'm, at. I'm, not, I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying it's amazing. I'm saying it's you know it's it's in the right. Name. It's okay. in that top ten conversation. 
You guys uh, need to watch more westerns. No, I, I actually watch plenty of westerns. I've seen more than eight, but okay, not I more, actually not more than twenty. Okay. I've actually looked up and and I don't agree with all of them, but on IMDb, according to it, I have rated thirty five westerns. You've never seen thirty five westerns. Uh, <laughs> well, I can tell you right now I haven't because I don't agree with all of these classifications as westerns because Bubba Hotep is one of them. Oh, well I, yeah. now I agree with that to be honest. It's so many <laughs> genres. Man, I've I've That's cheated so on tests before too, so I mean I'll allow it. Okay. Uh, they had a cowboy hat in it. That counts, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of. It's kind of got a western flair to it. I suppose. Definitely. Yeah. In a way. This is a uh, six point five out of ten. Okay. Right on. That's actually a little bit higher than I thought you'd have it at. Dave. It's above the middle mm-hmm. mark. Yeah. No, I liked it. Again, it's. It's different than an Italian Western, and I love Italian Westerns. I guess I just love Clint Eastwood Westerns. I love the the trilogy, and and it's like I have to compare everything to that because that's that's what yeah, I love the most you, Westerns. But you can't, man. You can't compare this to that shit. I like the uh, Terrence Hill Westerns. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced any of those, but he does the comedy Western vibe kind of like – Blazing Saddles, but like in between, it's like in between Sirius and Blazing Saddles. Uh, the Terrence Hill westerns. He's got one called My Name Is Nobody, and there's just okay. epic, epic scenes in that movie. Uh, hmm. Bar fight stuff and just little, you know, one-upsmanship games in the West. That I love that kind of stuff. So, okay, but yeah, Silverado's six point five out of ten for me. Okay. It's it's definitely above the middle, but below the below the rest. I hear you. I I think the cast goes a long way in this movie, and even though it's spread pretty thin, yeah. Um, man, fuck. Every scene has got somebody I recognize. You know, uh, which everybody is great, gets so. everybody gets their shit in. It's not yeah. It's not a situation where I mean, well, maybe not Roseanne Arquette, but. Other than her, I mean, everybody gets their shit in. <laughs> Enough. Even she got, like, fucking four or five scenes. Yeah, though, she did. Know, so. She did. She did. I'm just sitting on her. I don't know why I'm sitting no, on her. No. I'm bagging on Rosanna. She, she definitely could have been written out, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, no, th- I like the storyline aspect of this movie. Um, I think it's cool that you get a, you know, supposedly a, a former bad guy who's you know who's definitely has his flaws who gets into the the position of sheriff you know and runs a corrupt scam you know um it's it's pretty cool i i, I dig that storyline um and i liked how they tied everything together and then everybody you know everybody gets together and then all of a sudden there's there's fractional aspects to it you know you got Kevin Clyde Payton, you know, who got hired by Cobb and is actually working for him while shit, other shit's going on wrong with the other g- members of, you know, the 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 gang and everything. Um, and they're they're actually fighting Cobb, and then all of a sudden they don't know if they can trust Payton and stuff, you know. And you know, and at that point, you know, yeah, you know, Payton's going to join forces back up with them, but. You get that you get that tone of well he might not you know he he kind of wants to stay out of shit you know now and just live life and everything um, but yeah the um, 
the amount of people that they get for this, it, it carries it such a long way in the, in the story. It kind of overrides the ending for me. But, I mean, when I watch a Western, I want a happy ending, you know? I want, I want to see the good guys ride off into the sunset, you know? Shane is a different one that, that I would say you don't really know if he lived or died. He got shot in the end, and he's riding off into the sunset, but you still see him moving. So you do, he does it. It's kind of like a Schrodinger's cat aspect, you know? He, is he really dead? Is he not, you know? Um, but I like the, 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 the nice little tie and ribbon aspect to it all. It ties it up really nice and neat. I didn't expect a sequel to come out of this, you know? I fuck no you know why would there be um and and i got it, it my rating's a little biased too it, it you know my parents get hooked me up with this movie when i was a kid and so there's a nostalgia aspect to my rating but um gents it's it's an 8.0 for me um i'm right with the audience score on this actually the, like i said the cast the cast carries oh. no well the audience score oh that's right audience score, audience score is 80 percent actually so yeah. um Put nine BB. No, that's seven point two. Um, yeah, I got a little higher actually. Kevin Costner kicks ass in this movie. Scott Glenn kicks ass in this movie. I, I, me personally, Kevin Costner plays a really obnoxious kid, and who's very immature. He's always get. He's always. It's always. It always involves a woman. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I was only kissed her. her. <laughs> I only kissed her. <laughs> Buddy, have we all said that? <laughs> but um you know but you know so in nostalgia aspect aspect you know of it all 8.0 for me awesome all right cool so as we've beaten a dead horse the names in this cast ensemble is beyond impressive i counted 24 names that i recognize from other works and other movies during the end credits hell yeah um which, which you is get, more than i can say for a few dollars more no yeah. doubt. Yes. Two. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Those names were so hard to even say. I can't tell you who all they were. Right. I think someone was Aquafina. Yeah, we something. had Aqua. Aquaroni. Something. Rig- Rigatoni. Rigatoni. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ravioli. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> something we really haven't talked about was uh, you get a really exceptional big time score from uh, composer Bruce Broughton here. And he was actually nominated for an Oscar for his uh, score. And he also scored 1987's Harry and the Hendersons and The Monster Squad. He did Tombstone. And he also did the History Channel's miniseries Texas Rising in 2015. So he has a penchant for doing the uh, the Westerns. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they did – you caught some – old zingers and the bullets and everything throughout the film. So, you know, the sound effects are really good and it's yeah. not Italian, um, spaghetti Western. So there's no fucked up dubbing over and everything. Everything lines up properly. Oh boy. So. <laughs> <laughs> you guys and your dubbing issues. <laughs> Just get it fucking it right. Line the it shit matters. up. Like, Just line it, it up better. Fuck. Uh, I really thought we'd revisit the the I'm good for it line a little bit more. Uh, But, you know, Peyton, he did come through and he made good on his word in the end. And and I am glad that we really got uh, that we finally got the dog story and we weren't left hanging, you know, or they decided to, you know, oh, we'll we'll solve this in the sequel. 
Was you the know? dog story worthy, you think? Uh, it was just one of those things that it was like, okay, well, what about the damn dog? You know, I want to know now. It just goes to show character of Peyton, you know. Sure. It does. He's willing to go to jail, you know, for principles. Right. And shit. And you know, so. just my natural curiosity. So, but right. no, I'm glad we, we ended up getting it. One um, person's line I want to get back to, John Cleese's line, um, when they're hightailing it out of the town and, and John Cleese's gang, yep. they're chasing him. And all of a sudden, Maul starts shooting at him and blasts his hat off. He's like, I think my jurisdiction ends here. <laughs> That's fucking That's good, funny. dude. Get my hat. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I have one that's better, but uh, I, I'll just go ahead and do it now. I, I think the best line in the entire movie was when Peyton, he got his horse back, and they're kind of like kissing or whatever, and the cavalry sergeant, he says, well, how do I know this is your horse? And then Peyton okay. says, well, can't you see this horse loves me? And then the cavalry <laughs> sergeant says... I had a gal do that to me. It didn't make her my wife. I laughed. That was so damn funny. That is hilarious. That was to me. That was the best line in the entire movie. Uh, It made me smile from ear to ear, just like I am now. Um, But uh, I really did enjoy the chemistry between uh, Kevin Klein and Linda Hunt. They're back and forth. I think was some of the best dialogue in the movie, to be honest. Yeah. So I can't disagree with you, King. She is the best barmaid ever. I can't oh, change yeah. your mind. Um, but wow. I had fun with this. That's awesome. I, I, I had fun with this. This was a really good recommendation with the Western genre that I'm becoming a little more acquainted with. So thank you, Lord. It's something different besides the spaghetti. You know, I mean. It is a gotta, perfect gotta end get, of the end. You got to get a little depth and you know, different aspects of the Western. Right. It is, no. it is a good one. It's a wide spectrum, and it is it is different. And I really thought for this being two hours plus, I thought it moved well. I thought it kept the pace up pretty good for the most part. And I kind of feel I, – I feel like kind of just looking back at the other Westerns that I've rated and watched, I think this one is on the fringe of making my top ten. I'm not sure if it is or not. It's close. But this is absolutely one I would revisit again in the future – Sorry, Lord, I got to give uh, the king the edge here just by a little bit. Uh, in the uh, Westerns, the mayor hasn't seen theme, but it's not by much. Uh, I came in at, what, an eight? Well, for a few dollars more, I'm coming in at a seven. That's okay. That's that's fine. I, I can see why people would say it's seven, 6.5 and everything. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't really give you much room to doubt that, they're going to survive and they're going to escape everything. You know, everything's going to play out pretty good for these guys. And I think that's honestly my biggest drawback because I like that grim reality, you know, where, you know, like the King touched on that, you know, someone might not make it your character that you, you know, the character that you like the most, that you most identify with, that your favorite, he might not make it or she might not make it. And Man, I Scott like that aspect. Died, though. You know, he, he, when he's getting trampled by the horse, that was right. I thought he was fucking done, dude. McKendrick, he got fucking hit by a horse by, by, uh, and it's Scott Glenn. Yeah. And he died instantly. <laughs> well, his horse was stronger. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this was a good movie. This was a fun watch. It really was. It was very entertaining. Uh, like you said, with the cast of characters, 
that holds so much, so much weight with this movie from top to bottom, even the bit parts, the Ted Whites, the Amanda Weisses from the Kevin Costners to the Danny Glovers. I mean, just top to bottom, an amazing cast. Yep. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, this is a good recommendation. This entire month, this was I. I, I enjoyed this entire month. I mean, both of these were first-time views for me, never seen them before, and, you know, just the little bit of knowledge and experience that I have with Western movies, these were very enjoyable. Very good recommendation, guys. Thanks. Cool. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend a shitty one no, to somebody who has never seen them, you know? I will say, you, you would definitely recommend a shitty slasher, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like but I've those. Seen pl- but I've seen we, plenty of them. Are we talking about Psycho Cop here? No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, Hitchhikers, this concludes our review of Silverado from 1985. We hope you all enjoyed our in-depth analysis of this star-studded Western. You can find us on Facebook at Nostalgia Highway Podcast. Be on the lookout for new announcements and updates. And be sure to visit the King Art Facebook page where you can find a wide variety of incredible artwork from the King himself. And also be sure to check out his Etsy page. Yeah, King Art Designs on Etsy. There you go, King Art Designs. All right. I'm cheap. I mean, free shipping. Don't you sell yourself short. Just just give it a look. Free shipping, though. That's not bad. No, I mean, in this world. Damn. Yeah. That matters, especially now. But you can email the show at nostalgiahighwaypodcast at gmail.com, and our Twitter handle is at HighwayNHP. We'd love to hear from you hitchhikers, so hit us up. And before we completely wrap up, the three of us want to give recognition and thanks to Sean Jackson and Cody Jones for the new theme music they have graciously allowed us to use for the show. Great stuff, guys. We love it so much. Thank you so much. So on behalf of the Lord Ketchum and Dave King of the Road, I am your host, the Merrimack Logston, and we thank you once again for hitching a ride along with us, and we'll pick you up next time out on the highway. Gold. <laughs> Hold on a second here, Mayor. Though you did say you know this would maybe not make it in your top ten westerns. It's fringe. West- it's close. Okay, you say it's close, but how many how many westerns have you seen? Well, like I said, according to the IMDb thing, which I don't fully agree with, but obviously I know that I went through and I counted movies. I'm like, well, yeah, that's a western. That's a we're western. not we're not calling Bubba Hotep a western though. It's, it's I know. Not. Not. No, it's and it's not. But I would say, honestly, this is probably 11. It might be 10. But you haven't seen 10 or 11 actual Westerns, apparently. Yes, I have. Okay. All right. <laughs> Name them. He's caught up. This time. <laughs> I'll, I'll look them up right now. <laughs> All right, motherfucker. Let's look them up right now. Okay. All right. This is worth okay. waiting for. Yeah. I want to well, hear something. Are, are, are you counting Django and Shane and The Hateful Eight? Yeah, sure, uh, yeah, this counts. Right. Yeah. All right, all right. How can they not be Western? What are they if they're not? Bone <laughs> Tomahawk, that's a Western. That is a Western. Okay, I have Django, Tombstone for a few dollars more, The Revenant, Hateful Eight, 310 to Yuma. Is the Blazing Saddles Western or is it just Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. The Revenant, I would not consider a Western. That's That's more of a survival movie. I don't know. I, I It's borderline. I thought that too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Open Range, Bone Tomahawk, Wyatt Earp. Uh, I have the True Grit remake. They have Back to the Future 3 in here. I don't know. Yes, you can't a, count that. No, no, you can't too. Don't no. you dare. 
Don't you and dare I'm, take that And I'm away. not. I didn't. I'm don't uh, catch him. He can't. He can't take that away. But in this, they have that a Munson Mint in here from 92. That They have that as a Western. I don't consider that no. a Western. Bubba no. Hotep, I don't consider it. I don't really consider Back to the Future 3. This is the weird one. The Seven Faces of Dr. Lau from 64. That's not a Western. That's like a fantasy movie. But then I have Silverado and Young Guns and Three Amigos, which, I mean, it's a Western, I guess. Yeah. What about, have you ever seen Young Guns 2? Yeah. It's a 6-5. It's still entertaining, but it's not as good as the first. So yeah, I don't. It's I, don't I would say it's either ten or eleven. I would say it's ten or eleven. You, like I said, fringe. <laughs> Dick, told you I watched more. <laughs> you made your case. Thank I'll you. I'll allow it, and I'll certainly allow Back to the Future Three, even though the Lord's questionable about it. I'm questionable about well, it. Well, yeah, he's, he's saying I'm more saying the Revenant's a Western than Back to the Future Three. Oh. Christ, you're totally <laughs> out of line here. <laughs> Way out of line. Oh, man. This is great. This is great. Awesome. What is a Western? Uh, Back to the Future 3. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, come on. It's come not the prim- fuck on. It, it is not primarily. so wrong here. It is primarily a Western. It is fucking 98% a Western. <laughs> okay. That's primarily. All right. All another right, day, King. another time. Hold on, hold on. Like, like <laughs> I want to, qu- I want to quote Billy the Kid from Young Guns Two to Dave Rudiball. I don't think so, Dave. Fucking, speaking <laughs> of Billy the Kid, that, yeah. <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is enough of a western for me to count it as a western. No, no. Oh, now yeah. I know you're just starting. Did you? Shit. Did you have to count fucking Bubba Hotep? Because that's got about just as much oh, fucking western. Oh wait, whatever. <laughs> Jesus. Oh man, this is great. Oh, uh, it's great. breaking down. It's breaking down. <laughs> All right. Shit's, shit's going titties up. We did it. We're on the Brokeback Trail. Yeah. The old crow. And around about the way. Crow. We made it. <laughs> Headaches, hassles, and horse shit abound. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Absolutely, man. This ring is bound <laughs> Man, Skype was not our friend tonight. Fuck the Skype. I will break its back and make it humble, fuck it in its ass. <laughs> I break its back and fuck its ass. All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> fuck the much. Skype. Okay. Well, you know, that's your opinion, man. That's like your opinion. All right, Sheik. Take a shot. Calm down. <laughs> Sheiky baby, take a shot anytime you want to. <laughs> Make I spit on you, <laughs> dude. He's over the top, man. Yeah, he he's is over the top. 